0: Good morning, everybody. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Sunday school lesson. This is the last lesson in this uh, book, and we will receive new Sunday school books Sunday uh, when we have church service here. Uh, before we begin, I'd like to begin in prayer and uh, our most kind and gracious Father. We are this morning, Father, thankful. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your patience with us. Thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that we couldn't begin to count them or name them all. We uh, pray, Father, that you would use me this morning to convey this lesson, that it will be used to to strengthen our faith in the Lord and that you'll get the glory and honor for it. Uh, We would like to remember the many prayer requests, Father, and the sake of time we will not elaborate on those this morning but we know father that you know all things uh, about us and what our needs are and concerning our families and friends and neighbors we do pray for our country right now father and we uh, mentioned have mentioned here of talking about the pandemic and uh, praying that you would be over that and we pray for the city of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the atrocities that have taken place in that city and the uh, reaction on behalf of its citizens, Father, are certainly understandable. We pray for your calming presence and peace uh, to come over that situation there. We praise you this morning, Father. We thank you for uh, our health, the homes that we live in, everything that you give us, and we ask these things and give you the glory this morning in Jesus name Amen today we want to talk about accept, and we've in these last few lessons have talked about relationships and uh, the point of this lesson today tells us that don't let your differences of opinion damage your relationships I know I don't get along with everybody and everybody don't get along with me nor do they think like I do. But some people feel like they can have nothing to do with a person who believes differently. At the other end are those who say we must not only accept any differences but we must endorse those differences as if it's okay to have that opposing view we need to recapture what it means to accept another person the book of Romans gives us practical direction on how we do this especially within the body of Christ we're in Romans chapter 14 uh, verses 1 through 4 and 13 through 19 for the sake of time this morning I can't really elaborate as I would like to on all these verses, but we'll get the gist of what uh, the lesson is about. The setting, the church at Rome was composed of both Jewish and Gentile believers. Now, in part, because the emperor Claudius earlier had expelled Jews from Rome and that was in AD 49. The two groups had developed distinct cultural ways of expressing their faith in Christ. Their differences led to tensions within the church and threatened the unity of the body of Christ. When Paul wrote his letter to the Romans, now this is in about AD 56 or 57, he used a portion of the letter to address issues related to some of those differences. Now we'll just go ahead and read these verses, and then we'll go back and uh, try to understand what the Apostle Paul is uh, instructing here. In verse 1 Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another, who is weak, eateth herbs. Verse 3. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant to his own master? He standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Now we go over here, same chapter, to verses 13 through 19. 19. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. And that's talking about a man's conscience. We'll come back uh, to this. Verse 15, but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably? Are you now not walking in love? Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died a couple more verses here it's raining outside and I know you can't hear it but you ought to hear it on the roof here it's uh, pretty peaceful to hear that on this metal roof verse 16 let not then your good be evil spoken of for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. In verse 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. I believe that's all the verses. What's Paul talking about here? Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. We're not sure if Paul was aware of specific problems of fellowship that threatened uh, the church in Rome. He is writing this letter while in Corinth, A city where uh, Christians were struggling with issues of rivalry and division. Perhaps the Holy Spirit impressed upon Paul that the church in Rome needed help in that area too. But on the other hand, Paul knew and had worked with some of the Christians now living in Rome. Uh, People such as Priscilla and Aquila, who had worked with Paul in Corinth. And there's references to that in Acts chapter 18 and in Romans chapter 16. Paul, by his own admission, had never visited with Rome's Christians, but he could have corresponded with Christians living there and could have learned through them about struggles the church was having. In any event, the Holy Spirit led Paul to discuss the matter Of Christian unity at some length in his epistle. Paul directed his opening exhortation to mature believers. Now these Christians needed to take the initiative to receive believers whom Paul refers to as weak in the faith. These weaker members are likely Christians with a background in Judaism. They struggled with the issue of how to apply the doctrine of righteousness by faith in their daily lives. These are uh, Jewish believers, new new believers that have been raised up in the old traditions and rituals of Judaism. That's the way their mom and dad did it. That's the way grandma and grandpa did it. That's the way they've been taught from their birth. And it's going to be hard for them to understand right away what their liberty is in Christ. They're called weak believers, but they are not mature yet spiritually. And the reference to weak is what that's, that's talking about. It's in no way derogatory, but they have not yet reached uh, the maturity level of the stronger Christians. And Paul is admonishing the stronger brethren to receive those that are not where you're at right now in your faith, so to speak. Uh, Paul, Paul encouraged the mature Christians to avoid getting into arguments with their fellow church member members over doubtful disputations. For Paul, this referred to secondary uh, practices that more than anything reflected church members, diverse backgrounds and traditions before they became followers of Christ. It, It would be the same thing. Let's just use this as an example. We're talking about food here, but let's talk about dress too. We know that there are some Baptist uh, churches, free will Baptists maybe, and some other uh, factions of the Baptist belief that the men and women don't sit together during worship. Do we condemn them for that? No, we shouldn't. Uh, They wear their hair up. The women don't cut their hair. Uh, They wear long dresses. The women never wear pants or any kind of makeup. Do we condemn them for that? Absolutely not. We love them and accept them. For the same Lord that received you has also received them. And we need to look at that in in that way. We are not to judge them or criticize them. Who, who gave us the authority to judge or criticize another brother or sister in Christ? Uh, we are not to do that. And that's what Paul's talking about. These uh, disputable matters, which really have no consequences, are referred to as gray areas. There's no right or no wrong. Uh, in, I'm just using the clothing as an example too to go along with the food Now, Paul's plea certainly does not apply to such moral issues as sexual purity or integrity in relationships. Those are black and white areas that that, what Paul's talking about here, that doesn't include uh, things of that seriousness. In gray areas, believers are to receive anyone who is a person of faith no matter how weak. Receive means to welcome them, accept them, and this is an imperative a command believers cannot ignore. Paul was ref- was, wasn't was referring here to disagreements over central tenets of the gospel. He understood, however, that Christians might hold significantly different opinions about secondary matters. On the other hand, he didn't propose that all opinions were equally valid, valid and valuable. Some opinions demonstrate spiritual maturity. Others reflect a weaker faith. To accept those who are weak in faith over doubtful, doubtful issues means to affirm that they are Christians and to welcome opportunities of fellowship with them. Just because someone comes in here with green hair or something like that, are, do you just shun them and, and want anything to do, not want anything to do with them? No, we're we're to look for opportunities to fellowship with them and to show them Christian love the opposite of accepting believers is shunning them and Paul recognized there could be situations that called for a disassociation however such a disassociation is related to a persistent sin and a refusal to repent of that sin on the part of such a person part of being spiritually mature is discerning what are doubtful issues and not allowing those issues to be divisive. Uh, The doubtful issue here in verses 2 and 3, Judaism made distinctions between clean and unclean foods. What did Christians believe about that matter? Paul affirms that spiritually mature Christians believed that they could eat all things, that any and all of God's bounty, including meat, was okay to eat. And in Acts chapter 10, uh, the apostle Peter had a vision where uh, food was let down on a sheet. Animals were let down on a sheet. And uh, God commanded him to eat. And he said that he couldn't because some of those animals were considered unclean and uh, he had the same vision. I think two or three times, but it was from God telling him that these things were, were okay to eat. Now other believers chose to eat herbs. They ate vegetables and didn't eat any meat at all. They might have concerns relating to eating meat, that had been used in the pagan temple rituals before being sold in the market. In these pagan practices they would offer meat to their idols as well. These idols didn't have any use for that meat. And the priests were not able to consume all the meat that was offered up on the altars Uh, from the the other uh, sacrifices so it was taken to the market and sold now the mature believer knew that there was nothing wrong with that meat but a a brother weaker in the faith his conscience would not let him eat uh, that meat and what paul acknowledges about the proper christian diet judging one to be a more mature view the the potential or his greater concern is the potential for a situation for truly improper behavior the temptation was for Christians who enjoyed all kinds of food to despise those who restricted their diets similarly those who restricted their diet might be Tempted to harshly judge their fellow church, mem- church members who ate anything. And both needed to realize that since God hath received them through grace by their faith in Jesus Christ, they were to respect one another too. In verse 4 here, Paul illustrated the total lack of grounds one believer had to be critical of another believer's sincere faith practices. Uh, The term servant refers to a slave who served in the home of his or her master and often was considered a member of the household. Paul's point was that such a servant had only one master to whom he or she was accountable. Do you see where this is going? We have only one master. To whom we are accountable and that is the lord jesus christ that is god god the father as christians we are accountable to our own master and we must guard diligently against the temptation to criticize other christians whose beliefs and practices regarding secondary matters differ from ours We have no grounds to question their salvation over such issues. God alone is the one who is able to accept or reject someone from his household of faith. If God has accepted a person, that person will stand justified in the end for God is able to make him stand. We are called to accept one another as Christians regardless of where we stand individually on gray areas. What issues this morning provide opportunities for Christ followers to treat one another with patience and with understanding? I don't think we have any differences as to food, but I believe sometimes we may look Disparagingly at someone that maybe comes in here uh, dressed inappropriately. Maybe uh, their clothing is not what we think it should be. Uh, Little things like this. This is a very sensitive area to to talk about because we have to watch out that we don't offend or hurt someone's feelings By shunning them and people are not stupid. They know if you if you're distancing yourself from them or avoiding them this morning. uh, They they sense that and they know that if you're uh, distancing yourself so we have to be sensitive uh, to the needs of other people. Acceptance means that we can accept a person whose opinions differ from ours and we see that acceptance also means that we don't do anything to cause uh, the other person to stumble. i let's use another example too. some people are Democrats and some people are Republicans and we have that in our church. Some have their opinion about things the way the country is and others have another opinion. Does that mean that we don't we don't like each other or we don't talk to each other because of our differing political views? No, we we accept our brothers and sisters. We may not agree with their uh, attitudes or understanding of things, but we still love them in the Lord, and we don't uh, sin by not showing them uh, Christian love. Accepting another person means. Let me see here, I'm getting ahead of myself. Pardon me. Talking here, too, about there is nothing unclean of itself. That uh, by extension, Other matters, the gray areas are included as clean and thus acceptable, just as the Apostle taught elsewhere. This teaching should never be extended to include activities in the New Testament described as immoral. Examples would include adultery, stealing, coveting, murdering. Uh, These actions are always sinful and thus forbidden. Sin is not a matter of personal opinion. Paul wanted the Christians in Rome to know that he wasn't urging the mature believer to follow a principle that he himself didn't follow. He had been persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. The question of exactly when Jesus convinced Paul that the clean and unclean regulations of Judaism had been made obsolete by the Gospel has puzzled many Bible students. We're told in Acts chapter 10 of a vision in which the Apostle Peter was instructed about respecting what God had made clean, but we have no similar account of Paul being instructed. Of course, Paul could have experienced a similar event that wasn't recorded in scripture. Another possible understanding is that through Jesus' teachings and through the Holy Spirit's work in his life, Paul had simply accepted the implications of freedom in Christ. Still, the conclusion of the Jerusalem Council had encouraged Gentile converts to abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled. And that's talked about in Acts chapter 15. Whatever the case, Paul wanted his readers to know where he stood on the question. The greater issue was helping those Christians who sincerely believed the clean and unclean regulations were still valid for believers. In other words, the greater issue for the mature believer was caring as much for another believer's conscience to be clear as for one's own. You don't look at someone and say, well, too bad for them. They just have to get over it. What we're talking about is being sensitive to how this other person may may react uh, to these gray areas. One challenge today's believers face is to remember Christianity is not individualistic. We live in relationship, in relationship with God, in relationship with others. Paul clearly emphasized the importance of striving for peaceful relationships among believers. And we might ask how a believer could actually be hurt by the dietary freedom of mature uh, church members. What did Paul mean by the term destroy? Some commentators suggest that Paul had in mind a kind of a serious but temporary emotional harm. Uh, They may be grieved uh, pained or sorrowful bitter feelings and the word rendered destroy uh, could be translated ruin Thus, the potential danger to the weaker Christian went beyond mere bad feelings. Joy could be dimmed, peace could be ruined, and spiritual growth could be damaged. Paul reminded his readers that Christ died for the weaker Christians too. And in light of Christ's redeeming sacrifice, how could mature Christians risk destroying the spiritual growth of another believer over something as inconsequential as what they ate. And the apostle emphatically urged his readers not to do that. Is it worth fighting over? Is it worth fellowship being broken over these uh, matters that we call gray areas? Uh, I don't believe it is someone's hairstyle someone's color of their hair Uh, don't write them off because of that how can we identify if an action or an attitude is a stumbling block and where it it talks about here don't let your good be uh, talked evil of let me go to uh, my study book, my trusty study book. We need more believers with the spirit, the practice of life that Paul demonstrated in his daily living. This is concerning verse 15. Paul teaches that if your brother is being injured because you eat certain food, then you are no longer living by the rule of love. Do not let that liberty of yours ruin a weaker Christian for whom Christ died. It is true that we cannot please everyone and certainly not religious fanatics, but we certainly would not want to destroy the testimony of a weak believer just for the satisfaction of consuming food or for the satisfaction of wearing a garment that might offend a weak believer. There's a example given in your book of a young man that was invited to lead the music at a traditional church and uh, the pastor asked him over the phone to please wear a shirt and tie as was the practice for A song leader or a a leader in the church and it says that the young man hung up the phone and what was his attitude they can get over it I'm gonna wear my t-shirt and jeans and uh, really are you I mean it's little things like this that cause cause dissension in the church Show this pastor the respect that he's asking nicely to, to wear a shirt and tie to lead this music service. Uh, do you think you could do that? You see, it's little things like this where uh, disputations get started and uh, it, it can run wild if we're not gracious and, and be mindful of other people and their feelings. Uh, try, try to be conscious of that. Now, I started to say here, let not your good be evil spoken of. This is good, sound gospel admonition. The good here refers to Christian liberty, the freedom of conscience, which has been won by Christ, but which will inevitably get a bad name for if it is exercised in an inconsiderate, loveless fashion. That is, in doing good, be sure the things you do are done in such a manner that no man will be able to speak evil of your deeds. That is the way we should live in such a manner that the world cannot criticize us or honestly speak evil of us. And we should live in such a way that weak believers have no cause to criticize us for the things we do and the places we go. Remember, none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. We influence others by the things we do, the places we go, the company we keep, and even by the things we eat and drink. Do not ever forget, however, that redemption is by grace, by the shed blood and finished work of Christ, not by our good works. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. If we serve Christ in the matter of eating and in the things we wear, The places we go and in the habits of life. If we are conscientious in those things, we are acceptable to God and Christ, and we are approved of men. I do not believe that any person can live a sinless, perfect life as Jesus lived while here on earth he did no sin, but I do believe that we are duty bound as believers to live blameless lives and Paul admonished the believers at Philippi to be blameless and harmless without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And in verse 19 I'm going to wrap it up here because there's not enough time to do a lesson like this justice. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. Here Paul admonishes us to follow after the things which make for peace, the things which edify. Blessed is the peacemaker and blessed is the man who edifies others by the practices of life, the things he does in his daily routine on the job believers can be a real source of edification to weaker brethren if they are happy and joyous gentle and kind and if they serve the lord fervently even on the job we are to follow after we are to long for the habits of life that will edify and we should never do anything to cause division and unrest I thank you for your time this morning. Uh, We will have service Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. And I hope that, that you'll come. God bless you and thank you.